Welcome to King Solomon and the Stoics, a project of denverkolel.org. In this episode, we're going to see Solomon's counsel for balanced living as it emerges from verses 15 through 20 of Ecclesiastes Kohelet chapter 7. Solomon says, I've seen everything in my life living in this world of futility. I've seen it all. I've seen a righteous person who is lost, who is ruined by his righteousness. And I've seen a wicked person who succeeds despite and even because of his wickedness. In order to properly understand this, I think we need to define what Solomon means by wicked. When he says the word rasha, which we typically translate as wicked, what does he mean? I want to suggest that Solomon is referring to someone who is entirely focused on their own success in this temporal existence, in this physical world. They're entirely focused on their own success. And while sometimes that leads a person to eat themselves to the grave, whether out of desire or envy or honor-seeking, and sometimes when a person is selfish and focused only on their own success, they trip themselves up and they cannot attain success, But sometimes there are wicked people in this context. There are selfish people, people whose sole focus is their success in this world, who succeed. They have length of life. They have successful living, despite the fact that they're completely selfish. On the other hand, in the beginning of the verse, Solomon talks of having seen righteous people who suffer because of their righteousness. They're too good, so to speak. What does he mean? Let's take a step back for a moment. Solomon refers to his living in the world of futility. We know there are great moral principles, there are the principles of the Torah, there are things that are eternal truths. And oftentimes, life in this world does not seem to align with those truths. We would think that if you do good, you get good. If you do bad, you get bad. And so the world should be filled with miserable, miserable, selfish people and deliriously happy, righteous people. But the facts on the ground sometimes paint a very different picture. We sometimes find righteous people who are not very happy, who are not very successful, and we sometimes find wicked people who are very happy and very successful. What does that tell us? Solomon is telling us that this world is a very interesting place. It's a world of futility. It's a world where success is not always granted to the person who chooses righteousness, who chooses selflessness. We need to recognize we live in a world that has its own rules, so to speak. The world as it is, is physical. There needs to be a place for pleasure. There needs to be a place for honor. There needs to be a place for a physical existence. There needs to be a place for social interactions. And a person who's too good, who's too righteous, who's maybe too focused on the spiritual realms or too selfless, sometimes ruins themselves. They sometimes go lost in their own righteousness and defeat the purpose of their living because how much can they really give if they are ruined? How much can they be selfless if their selflessness ruins themselves? How much can they be spiritual if their spirituality causes them to die at a young age if their spirituality doesn't allow them to live in this world and to apply and actualize and express this spirituality in this physical world, which is why God created the world in the first place. So sometimes a person can go too far with their righteousness. They cannot align. They can fail to align their deeper spiritual core values with 
the realities of this life. They will not recognize a swindler when they meet one. They won't be able to interact with other people properly because they don't get what drives other people. The truly righteous person who wants to live a successful righteous life, as we'll see soon, has balance. However, sometimes we find a wicked person, a person who's selfish, who yet is able to see a longer-term vision and they see the success of this life as being something vital and important, much more important than the type of ice cream that sits in front of them. And so they can hold off, they can exercise, they can live healthy, they can manage their emotions because they see success as a bigger picture. But that bigger picture starts and ends with them. And it starts and ends with their existence in this life. That's a very limited picture. That's not true success. But yet, it's success in this life. And Solomon says it's very sad to see in this world of futility, in this world that doesn't always align with the eternal truths, we sometimes see righteous people suffer from their righteousness and not be able to express their righteousness. And we sometimes see wicked people who succeed despite and sometimes because of their wickedness, because of their single-minded focus on their own success in this life, sometimes they are the ones who succeed the most. Don't let this fool you into thinking that success in this life is what matters, nor is Solomon trying to tell us that that's what matters. But it matters a great big deal, because in order to succeed, in order to achieve spiritual goals in this world, a person needs to succeed in a a material, physical way as well. And so Solomon enjoins us, he begs us to take heed of what happens in the world, to see the righteous people who sometimes are too righteous in a certain sense, who go too far, and to see how the wicked people who succeed have something to teach in the sense that we need to live successfully in this life too. We, even selfishly, sometimes need to live successfully in this world if we are to be of any use and any service to others, if we are to serve any loftier and more spiritual goals. Solomon goes on to say, don't be too exceedingly righteous, following along the same theme. This is verse 16. And don't become too wise. Rabbi Vali explains, don't go beyond your comprehension. Don't attack concepts and subjects that you're not yet ready to attack. Stick with what you can understand and build slowly. Otherwise, you won't be able to assimilate, you won't be able to apply the knowledge that you, that you access, that you gain. Why should you become ruined, asks Solomon at the end of verse 16. You have so much to give the world. You have so much to attain. Stick with balance. Don't go too far, too fast. Solomon goes on to say in verse 17, Don't be exceedingly wicked and don't be foolish. Why should you die before your time? And as the Talmud asks in Shabbos 31b, what in the world is Solomon saying? Don't be exceedingly wicked? Is Solomon trying to tell us that we should be partially wicked? Is he um, advising us to engage in wickedness a little bit? Is it good he should only murder five people, not 50? What does Solomon mean? So if we understand wickedness the way we explained it before, that the word Russia in the context of these verses doesn't mean a murderer or someone who's actively doing evil in the world, but rather someone who's selfishly focused on their physical success in this life. So then we understand Solomon's telling us, yes, I've just told you, you need to focus also on succeeding in this physical world. Otherwise, you will be of no use to 
to those around you and you will be of no use to your deeper spiritual aspirations. True, you need to have success in this world, but don't go overboard, says Solomon in 17. Don't go overboard. Don't be exceedingly focused on your success in this world. And that's perhaps what he means when he says, don't be exceedingly wicked. But the Talmud has a different answer. And the Talmud says that we're talking about a, a, the Talmud gives us an analogy of someone who ate garlic and they have bad breath and nobody wants to talk to them and no one wants to stand near them. So the Talmud says, just because you had one head of garlic, should you eat another? Just because you smell and your breath is, is driving people away from you, should you make it worse? So what does this mean? Again, why would I think yes? What would be the, the reason to think, oh, maybe if you sinned once, you should sin twice. So that Solomon would need to tell me, no, don't sin again. What would be the logic to think that if I've eaten one head of garlic that I should eat two? What's the logic? What's Solomon coming to counter? What argument is he coming to teach us and advise us against? Perhaps the meaning is as follows. The deeper meaning of balance is really to live above. Balance is to be able to choose A when A is appropriate and B when B is appropriate. To be able to be kind in a situation that calls for kindness and to be able to be strict and strong in a case that in a situation that calls for strength. True balance requires that a person live above both of those choices. That a person have a core that really is deeper and beyond both of those choices. And therefore, Solomon is telling us, if a person has eaten a head of garlic in the Talmudic analogy, don't identify yourself with bad breath. Everyone understands that if you have garlic today, by tomorrow your breath should be just fine. The person is not identified by the fact that they've eaten some garlic. So don't eat more garlic. Don't identify yourself as someone with bad breath. When a person sins, even if we understand Russia, to mean literally a wicked person, a person sinned a bit. And as we'll see later in verse 20, everyone sins in this world. Nobody is perfect. So if a person has sinned a little bit, don't sin more. Don't identify yourself as a sinner. You are beyond. The person has a pure soul that is always above and beyond any sin, any garlic that their body can possibly eat and consume. So don't become exceedingly wicked, says Solomon. Always remember, you're not wicked. You may have done wicked things and you may have come to identify yourself as a wicked person, but stop, step back, realize that you have potential, that you have a pure soul, that you're deeper and beyond the choices that you've made and you can be better, you can be greater. Don't be a fool. Even if you've chosen chosen foolishness, Don't continue to choose foolishness. Don't die before your time. You still have potential, even if it doesn't mean physical death. What Solomon may be telling us is, don't write yourself off before your time has come. If you're still alive in this world, you can redefine yourself. You can reinvent yourself. Just because you've eaten one head of garlic doesn't mean that you should eat another today and another tomorrow ad infinitum. No, stop. Recognize you're deeper. You go beyond the choices you've made. Solomon tells us in verse 18, It is good to grab on to this and to that as well. Do not leave your hand from. Meaning, make sure you have balance. And even if there are certain things in life that are more important than others, but make sure everything has its proper place. Make sure you have the balance for spiritual pursuits as well as physical pursuits that 
give you health, emotional, physical health, and also a place in this world to succeed, a place in this world to give. Nobody wants to hear from a loser. If you're a successful person, if you are healthy, then you can accomplish, you can do so much more. So make sure you make place for everything in this life. For Solomon concludes verse 18, for the God-fearing manages to encompass everything. The God-fearing person manages to make place for everything. But I want to go back to this concept of balance just for a moment. Maimonides Rambam tells us that balance, that the middle road, the golden road, is a form of emulating God. What does that mean? Perhaps what it means is, is as we've explained, to Have balance requires that a person lives above both of the choices. They live above the right and above the left. And therefore, they can choose. And they can choose the appropriate response to the appropriate situation. God is that way. God's attributes, he acts through his attributes, but God is infinite. God is beyond. We have no comprehension of God's essence whatsoever. God is beyond. And so God is perfect balance because God is not identified solely with any one action or with any one attribute. He's above them. We too need to endeavor to tap into an aspect of self that's so deep, it's above the different choices, and therefore we can appropriately choose the right thing in the right time. We can have balance because we don't identify with any particular action that we've done, or a particular path that we've taken. We don't have sunk cost fallacy, or, or, or the idea of just identifying ourselves in a very, very specific way. We need to understand that our identity at its core is beyond definition. That's how lofty, that's how great we are at our core. And we are great, but that doesn't mean that we should be arrogant or haughty over anyone else because every person has that greatness. And in the same way, we should seek to rise above defining ourselves by our actions or by some of the mistakes we've made we should seek to do the same for others. We should make sure that we don't see other people through the actions that they've taken or the way they may be identifying themselves. They're so much greater than they can even imagine. And if we can only see people that way, if we can only interact with people and express to them the fact that we believe that the sky's the limit, that they have so much potential, that they are really above definition, then we can empower others to achieve the greatness that they're capable of achieving. Solomon goes on to say in verse 19 that the wisdom gives strength to the wise more than 10 warriors, more than 10 rulers that were in the city. And finally, in verse 20, he concludes and says, there is no righteous man in the land who will do good and not do evil. And Rabbi Vali explains that this doesn't mean there's no righteous man in the land, even though that is the literal meaning, and there were very, very few people who lived who never sinned, according to the rabbinic tradition. There were just just a few. I can't remember if it was four um, who 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 never sinned that in in the, in the recorded history as the as the sages relate. But there's no one in the land who doesn't sin. But Rabbi Valley explains that on a broader level, what this means is that there's no one in the land who doesn't sin without the benefit of wisdom. With the benefit of wisdom, a person can stay out of trouble. And that's what verse 19 and 20 are telling us. A person needs to tap into the benefit of wisdom. And the word used is chachma, which we explained in the previous episode, refers to a wisdom beyond, a wisdom from a place above. 
And a tzaddik is a person who has control of self. Rabbi Vali explains that verse 19 is talking about Joseph. Joseph, the biblical Joseph, was a tzaddik. He was righteous. He had such self-control. His every action was guided to exactly where it needed to be. It was incredible. But, but Joseph, too, needed the inspiration that came from above. Joseph fell into trouble. His master's wife, Potiphar's wife, in Egypt tried to seduce him. And what saved Joseph was the wisdom that he received from his father, Jacob. Even Joseph, the tzaddik, needs to tap into a wisdom that comes from beyond. The person needs the inspiration. They need the spiritual strength that comes with a connection to God that comes from above. The most righteous person, the most focused person, the most selfless person will fail. Every person to tap into their deeper spiritual core, to succeed, to be able to express their greatness. They need to have a connection with above. They need to have a connection with Chachma, which if you break down the word means Kochma. It's the, it's the power of what? It's the, it's the wonder that comes when we tap into the spiritual wisdom that is way, way beyond what we're really capable of fully understanding and accessing. Yes, we need to have self-control. We need to develop ourselves as much as we can. But we have to remember that we need inspiration from above. And only then can we tap into our true potential. So let's remember, we need balance. We can attain balance by rising above our circumstances, by rising above our actions. That's not to say that we shouldn't consider our actions important, or we shouldn't feel sad when we trip up and fail. We need to realize that our actions are an extension of self, but that our self is deeper than action, and our self can reinvent itself and transcend a very a specific way that we've been defined by others or by ourselves. We can do more. We can be greater. We are greater. We just need to start seeing ourselves that way. That way we can have balance. We can emulate God with, the, with that balance, with that transcendence. And we can achieve true success. We can hold on to both the right and the left. We can be kind. We can be strong. We can do all of the right things in the right time. But there's an additional point that comes out of verse 18. And that is that a person needs to grab onto this and not leave his hand from that. What does that mean? He needs to grab onto this and not leave go, not let go of that. What does that mean? Rabbi Vali explains that we're talking here about the concept of what is a main factor and what is secondary. A person needs to be able to create a painting out of their life, out of the world around them. And in that painting, they need to put certain things as the dominant theme. Certain things jump out at you. This is what life's about. And there are other things that are so important without them. Life cannot go on, but they are secondary. They serve the greater purpose, and we need to do both. But it's our responsibility to paint this picture. It's our responsibility to create a picture where that which is dominant, that which is more important, most important, takes center stage. But we need to create the context, the narrative that puts the right thing in the right place, that puts the main character at center stage and it puts the secondary things in our lives where they belong. Important, but not the main focus. That way, when we stub our toe or someone says a nasty thing our way, we can deal with it properly. We won't get lost in desire and indulgence. We won't get lost in envy, in jealousy, 
and greed and honor seeking because we recognize that certain things, while they may be vital, they're secondary. But it's the responsibility of the God-fearing person, as Salman talks in verse 18, to paint this picture and to put everything exactly where it belongs. That way a person's life will be this beautiful, beautiful piece of art that will shine, that will inspire, that will inspire greatness within a person themselves and within all the people they come into contact with.